Let's take a look at ways of living with um, tectonic hazards. So we'll start off by looking at how to reduce the impact of tectonic hazards. This is difficult to do. Scientists can't really predict when earthquakes will happen with any accuracy apart from minutes or seconds before they happen. But monitoring and predicting are two ways to reduce the impact in general, especially for volcanic eruptions, which are more predictable than earthquakes. So let's look at monitoring. Using seismometers to de seismometers to detect movements in the earth can help to predict tectonic hazards, but they often only give a warning just before a disaster. Whereas before earthquake eruptions, small excuse me, before volcanic eruptions, small earthquakes, bulges of magma and gas emissions can be signals that an eruption may be coming. So volcanic eruptions are slightly more predictable. As mentioned already, it's really difficult to reliably predict earthquakes. Looking at tectonic plate boundaries is one way to know which areas can expect and should prepare for earthquakes. Monitoring volcanoes is easier than monitoring earthquakes. So let's just do a quick recap. Monitoring volcanoes is easier than monitoring earthquakes. Uh, which signals can indicate a volcanic eruption is about to happen? We've got gas emissions, boulders of magma, and small earthquakes. And um, we can reduce the impact of tectonic hazards. So protecting and planning are two more ways to reduce the potential impact of um, tectonic hazards. Protection in high-income countries. So high-income countries often invest in earthquake buildings, earthquake-proof buildings, using cross-bracing, automatic window shutters, fire-resistant materials, and shock absorbers can help reduce the damage. And one example of this is the Taipei 101 building, which has a huge mass damper that reduces the strain on the building. As well as this, automatic switches can turn off electricity supplies and gas pipes can help reduce the chance of fires. Earthquake drills can also help reduce the damage done. So for example, on the 1st of September, Japan has an earthquake day. Low-income countries, there are different ways of protection. So low-income countries often use cheaper ways to protect buildings, such as lighter roof materials, and bamboo rods in the walls. So lighter roof materials are, for example, sheet metal instead of concrete, and bamboo rods and walls are used instead of steel. And these can help hold walls together and reduce the damage caused if they collapse. There's also planning. So high-income countries often have warning systems and evacuation plans in place. For example, Japanese authorities can take control of all media and give people instructions to evacuate. Paramedics, police and firemen all receive training for disasters and governments can stockpile supplies like food and water. Teaching people about evacuation plans can also help in a disaster. So New Zealand, for example, has a turtle safe drill, which can help teach preschool children. Let's just do a quick recap of all that. So what are the strategies used by high-income countries to protect against earthquake hazards? There's earthquake buildings. These are earthquake-proof buildings, earthquake drills, and automatic switches that turn off, elect off electricity and gas pipes. Why do people choose to live in areas that are at risk of tectonic hazards? Many people do live in these areas and they're really close to volcanoes or vulnerable to earthquakes. And people may do this for many reasons. Firstly, your family might live in the area, so you might not really be able to move away because of that. The land is incredibly fertile around volcanoes very often because ash is really good for, for land in the long term, which can produce high crop yields and this attracts farmers. So you might choose to stay there because that's really helpful for your farm. Your job might also be located in this place. 
If jobs are located near a place at risk of a tectonic hazard, then a person may not have a choice. For example, San Francisco is close to an area at risk of earthquakes, but there is a really large tech industry there. As well as this, people really like to visit volcanoes and tourism often create jobs around volcanoes such as Hawaii and in Iceland. As well as this, government is another reason people might want to stay. So if people think governments have good evacuation plans and good regulation to make a place safe, if an earthquake happens, they may choose to live there anyway. So Christchurch in New Zealand is an example of this. Let's just do a quick recap. So why do people often choose to live around volcanoes? Well, one reason is because volcanoes are often fertile because ash is good for land in the long term. People choose to live at areas at risk of tectonic hazards because their family lives in the area. There's a good government, there's fertile land, and because of their jobs. And what are two ways of reducing the impact of tectonic hazards? Is monitoring and prediction. Another recap, what recording device is used to detect movements in the Earth's crust? Is it a seismometer, a siloscope, a spectroscope, or a spirometer? It's a seismometer. Hey everyone, thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode. I hope it was useful for your learning. Make sure you consolidate your knowledge by clicking the link in the bio to be taken to the free online course. Good luck with your studies!